0: You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported.
1: Community Radio for South Central Indiana.
2: Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young.
3: And I'm Sydney Foreman. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, April 6, 2020.
2: Later in the program, WFHB correspondent Katrine Bruner reports on how Bloomington's places of worship are reacting now to the pandemic. She also discusses specifically what the Bloomington Friends meeting has been doing with members Elaine Emmy and Gracia Valiant.
3: Also coming up in the next half hour, WFHB news correspondent Alex Deirdre reports on how local agencies are searching for ways to protect the community in wake of this pandemic. But first, your local headlines.
2: First up, today's coronavirus numbers. The Indiana State Department of Health reports the total number of COVID-19 cases rises to almost 5,000 people. 139 deaths were reported this morning at 10 a.m. This is out of over 26,000 people tested. 20% of positive cases were found in 50 through 59-year-olds, according to ISDH. 51 cases were confirmed in Monroe County with zero deaths. This is out of 371 people tested. Governor Eric Holcomb called for abortion clinics to cancel or postpone elective and non-invasive procedures in an executive order. During a March 31st press conference about the state's COVID-19 response, Holcomb said he included abortion clinics in the executive order because of the coming surge of COVID-19 cases in Indiana. An attorney for the American Civil Liberties Union said the Holcomb directive should not restrict the ability of women to obtain abortions. Chicago Tribune reported the Holcomb order is, quote, mostly being praised by anti-abortion groups, end quote. An IU researcher is currently working on a coronavirus vaccine targeted at infants. It will be months before anything is available for wide use, but sources say it could prevent another COVID-19 pandemic.
3: The Bloomington Board of Public Works approved the purchase of two vehicles for the Bloomington Fire Department. Director of Public Works, Adam Waisen described the vehicle purchases during their March 31st meeting.
1: We are purchasing an E-1 aerial fire apparatus and replacing existing unit number 396. Uh, This is being purchased from Fire Service Inc. through the HGAC Purchasing Cooperative. That's a public purchasing cooperative available to fire departments. Uh, The total price of the apparatus is $1.124 million, and it is scheduled uh, for delivery in early January 21.
3: Waysen said new fire trucks are easier and cheaper to maintain. Board Director Donna Palazzo asked Waysen for clarification of cost differences between the two vehicles what's the difference in cost? I know one was called the ladder truck and one was just called a fire engine. So I assume that there's some.
1: Yes, so the ladder truck is gonna have the big aerial ladder unit, mechanical unit on the top. The others um, is a, um, a not as sophisticated, doesn't have the ladder equipment and overall um, <clears throat> between the two. So yeah, and there is a large discount that comes through this. So the 1.576 number is the total unit price before discounts, uh, or total price of both units combined. And then after all discounts for, the, uh, for both units, um, it comes to a total of $1.124
3: In their meeting, board members also discussed a temporary lane closure on South Franklin Road. Engineering field specialist Paul Kerberg said the closure is for a sewer replacement.
4: Their work goes from around the curve by McDonald's up to 3rd Street, and they're requesting a lane closure in that section. Um, the fire department will have direct access to and from 3rd Street, uh, two way traffic on that section up towards, I think it's Fairfield.
3: Board members approved the closure beginning April 13th through July 10th.
2: Up next, I talked to Karen Wheeler, Monroe County Election Supervisor, about voting in the upcoming primary. Primary elections were pushed back to June 2nd. This is our telephone conversation from earlier today. Okay, so first off, what's the best way to vote during the COVID-19 pandemic?
5: I would highly suggest to vote by mail. You can get an application on our website, or they can call here, of course. Um, we're in and out of the office, so it's probably best if you can go online and get gift yourself, but some people don't have access with their computers. Us, And there you can get an application to register, if they need to register, or an application for... A mail ballot to be sent to them, and when they fill out that application, they can scan it in through email, or they can mail it in, or they can, of course, drop it off. But we don't really suggest that. We do have a drop box, but they can do that. Um, and also, we do we can receive a
2: fax on that. So you mentioned something about um, online. Like, can you cast an absentee ballot online, or like at least register to to vote online, or what's the uh, alternative there um, to by mail?
5: Okay, you can register online if you go to indianavoters.com. dot com, and if you have to have an Indiana driver's license or an Indiana ID, and you can register there, or you can change your um address if you need address change same thing, but you cannot vote online. it has to be either in person, which we don't know if that's gonna happen for early voting but that's just totally up in the air, but otherwise it has to be a mailed ballot,
2: okay, thank you for uh, clarifying there um, so the next one, I don't know if you can answer, but i'll I'll ask it, and you can just shoot it down if you want to um. So do do we expect a lower voter turnout this summer?
5: At this point, it sure it appears that way. We are having people request mail ballots being sent to them. But I think because we're kind of in the middle of the peak time, I don't know if the, a lot of voters are really thinking about voting. They're probably thinking more about their health and safety of their family. So at this point, for a presidential primary, it is, lower numbers at this at this given time i can't really tell you the numbers but they are lower everything is so volatile and so fluid that whatever we think we know we seem to be proven wrong so it's hard to make a prediction
2: yeah definitely so going off that is it best to cast an absentee ballot now rather than later
5: i would suggest so it could get a lot busier and then we do have a, a date that they can they have we have to get the application to us. And I'm gonna look that date up. It's twelve days before the election. The election is June second.
2: Okay. So twelve days before June second.
5: Right. And I'll find you the actual date here. Okay, thank you. And it is May twenty first, is the deadline to receive an absentee ballot application.
2: Okay, May twenty first. All right, thank you.
5: So we need to have the time to get the application, and then when we receive it, we enter it, process it, and then send them the ballot. And then of course, they have to send it back to us. So there is a time span there that we really want to make sure we get those ballots back to us.
2: Absolutely. Um, now, is there anything else you wanted to add before we parted ways?
5: They can also go to indianavoters.com Com to see if they're registered. They can check their registration, and they're going to. Get a lot of information there. Of course, their polling sites that we have scheduled will be on there, but that part we just don't know what's going to happen on election day or for early voting. On April 22nd, the Indiana Election Commission is meeting and they very possibly could be changing some of the rules. We don't know what that will be, but we're kind of waiting ourselves to see what the IEC is going to be doing, they will make some decisions.
3: According to the Monroe County Health Department's tips to relieve anxiety, every individual should try to model a peaceful behavior during the pandemic. This will relieve anxiety for yourself and others, as well as limiting fear's influence on your decisions, such as hoarding food or other supplies. The health department suggests using your phone to keep in frequent contact with friends and family, but not constantly reading or watching news related to COVID-19. They advise to spend time in nature while adhering to social distancing regulations and to practice both mind and body health. In this time of rising anxiety, the health department reminds people to be gentle with themselves and others because we all handle stress differently. Now in the program, WFHB correspondent, Alex Deirdre, reports on how local agencies
6: are searching for ways to protect the community in wake of this pandemic. Bloomington agencies are seeking to create safe places for people experiencing homelessness during the COVID-19 pandemic. Provided by the Shalom Community Center, a Friend's Place is the only non-religious emergency shelter for individuals 18 and over in our region. Located on South Rogers Street, A Friend's Place is a sober shelter that provides 40 beds to overnight guests. The shelter opens at 5.15 p.m. and guests leave at eight the next morning. According to the Herald-Times, Shalom Community Director Forrest Gilmore said, quote, We have been working with every resource we can think of to create a social distance place because they are packed in like sardines in those 40 beds, Amid the current pandemic, Gilmore and Perry Township Trustee Dan Combs have been trying to find a place where people experiencing homelessness can stay overnight while also practicing social distancing. According to the Herald Times, Gilmore has contacted Mayor John Hamilton and his task force and has not heard back about two possible city-owned sites the former Night Move Strip Club on South Walnut Street, and the Banneker Community Center on West 7th Street. Combs sent a message to the city regarding Shalom's A Friend's Place being overcrowded according to all COVID-19 distancing guidelines. According to the letter, Perry Township would pay for everything, including utility costs. The letter states, quote, This is of the utmost urgency. We have engaged both our lawyer and Remax Realty in our search for a facility but have no success. Our time is short, and the formerly night moves building may literally save the lives of some of our most vulnerable citizens. Time is of the essence. Please consider this option. End quote. Gilmore has stated that no one among the homeless population he has already tested for COVID 19 has come back with positive results. For WFHB, I'm Alex Dieter.
2: Now, for today's feature report, WFHB junior correspondent Katrine Bruner reports how Bloomington's places of worship are reacting to the pandemic. She's discussing specifically what the Bloomington Friends meeting has been doing, again with members Elaine Emmy, and Gracia Valiant.
0: When looking up Bloomington's places of worship online, a message now displays hours or services may defer due to COVID-19. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb announced a stay-at-home order recently, causing Hoosiers to halt crowded activities and also religious services. As the impact of this virus grows, more businesses and routines are being altered. However, many have been finding new ways of staying together instead of closing shop. Many places of worship have already designed easily accessible ways of staying in touch with their community and continuing to hold services to the public. According to IDS News, St. Paul will be doing live streaming services on Sunday at 10.30 a.m., 12.30 p.m., and 5.30 p.m. on their Facebook and YouTube pages. Sherwood Oaks is following the same services, providing live streaming services through music, scripture reading and discussion, and online chatting at 8am, 9.30am, and 1pm on Sundays through their website. Apart from the live stream or pre-recorded services, the Beth Shalom congregation will be teaching through Zoom, an online video conferencing service. Beth Shalom plans to hold Shabbat every Saturday through this tool at 11 a.m. On Friday nights, there will be a pre-recorded Erev Shabbat as well. The Unitarian Universalist Church has already been offering live stream services to the public and will continue to do so on a weekly service schedule of 10-15 on Sundays through their website. They also offer religious readings and live music. The Islamic Center of Bloomington has moved their classes online and has created a community emergency response team. This helps members of their community in need from the elderly and sick to those in financial crisis. As spring approaches, some places of worship are taking on the challenge of Easter Sunday online. The Helen G. Simon Hillel Center said they plan on celebrating online as a community during this time. Passover activities will be listed soon, according to their website. The Beth Shalom Synagogue will be celebrating Passover through an online community cedar, a ceremonial dinner through Zoom on April 9th. St. Paul Catholic Center has yet to announce plans for an Easter Sunday celebration. However, they will continue to hold Mass online and discuss services for the holiday. The Bloomington Friends meeting has been actively transitioning towards online services over the past few weeks as well. Clerk of Ministry and Council Committee Ginny Emick and Clerk of Pastoral Care Committee Gloria Stearns Bruner released an email shortly after the meeting decided to close in-person worship. The email read, quote, Dear Friends, we know this is a hard time for us personally and as a community. We are committed to navigating these new waters together with creativity and compassion. Let's carry on and feel the spirit holding us through it all." The statement was followed with a new schedule for meetings and links to various Zoom meetings. This included hymn singing through Zoom from 9.50 to 10.20 on Sundays, meeting for worship from 10.30 to 11.30 on first days, Sunday evening worship from 7 to 8 p.m., and midweek worship on Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 9.30. All information is listed on their webpage quakercloud.org or Facebook page, Bloomington Friends Meeting. The Bloomington Friends Meeting is a place of worship for Quakers. Quakerism is a branch of Christianity, however the Quakers, or Friends as they like to be called, do not have a clergy, instead relying on themselves to guide each other through services. Elaine Emmy has been a member of the Bloomington Friends Meeting since the mid-1970s. She is also co-chair of the Bloomington Multi-Faith Alliance. Emmy explained what meeting for worship entails and how friends interact with each other for those who don't know.
4: So if somebody came to the meeting, they would come into the meeting room and it would be a very plain room with no icons, no crosses. Um very simple A combination. Our meeting in Bloomington has some old benches plus folding chairs. People come into the meeting room and settle into silence. Also, children are with us during the first 15 minutes and then they go out into what we call first day school. You would probably know it as Sunday school. After people settle down, Sometimes people speak and there's also a sense of a direct connection to God and that can be a different experience from for everyone.
0: Emmy goes on to explain how Quakerism is open to multiple faiths and religious beliefs.
4: We don't have set doctrine. So we have interesting combinations of people. Some people feel strongly about the Bible, others do not. Um, There are atheist Quakers, there are blends of Quakers like Quaptists, Quaker Baptists. Um, So we feel that the doctrine shouldn't set us apart, but it's our testimonies that bring us together.
0: The Quaker testimonies center around the belief that there is that of God in everyone. Other testimonies are about equality and simplicity. Community and integrity are also a big part of the Quaker beliefs. Members of the Friends meeting switched to online services and meetings through Zoom about three weeks ago, according to Emmy. When asked about how the meetings have been going so far, Emmy expressed that things have been going pretty smoothly, stating, quote, life continues on for Quakers, end quote. In terms of using the Quaker faith to help get through the crisis right now, Emmy stated that she believes the pandemic will bring new things to light, especially with the relationship between humans and our planet.
4: The pandemic right now is an extension of what we're going through with how humans are not behaving very well on Earth. And so we have a lot of problems, um, including the climate chaos that's going on. So in one respect, I look this whole crisis as an opportunity for us as humans to live on the earth in a different way. I kind of like to say peace on earth, peace with earth.
0: Emmy also stated the opportunity of exploring different faiths right now with the abundance of online presence. Another member of the Bloomington Friends meeting, Gracia Valiant, described her own experience with the Quaker faith in times of crisis. Valiant has been a member of the Friends Society since 1994. She said that the shift to online meetings was not a struggle for her as she had many friends to help out. Valiant explained how Quaker worship has been since it was moved online, saying, quote, I find it helpful to see people and worship with them in these times when we can't be together physically. I am grateful for those who set it up and keep working for us, quote. Valiant also described how the Quaker faith has helped her personally through the current times. She said, quote, I know that the spirit is present with me and all of us as we go through this difficult time. The belief that there is that of God in everyone gives me comfort for those who are suffering more than I am. It helps me remember that we are all connected, and when someone else is suffering, we are all with them," End quote. For WFHB, I'm Katrine Brunner.
3: Now, WFHB News Director Cade Young talks with local activist Abby Yang about a COVID-19 mutual aid Facebook group in Monroe County and a new farmer's market project. We turn to Cade for more on the story.
2: Local activist group No Space for Hate started a COVID-19 mutual aid network for Monroe County. So far, the group developed a mutual aid Google form, essentially a public spreadsheet highlighting both requests for help and offers for help. No Space for Hate also assembled a resource list of existing organizations, community initiatives, and other efforts. Lastly, the group developed what are called Neighborhood Pods. This is a hyperlocal message group with you and your neighbors. Their end goal? To reach as many people as possible. According to its website, it consists of a coalition of community members and organizations working together to make sure no one gets left behind. The group wants to remind local residents they are not alone. To be clear, mutual aid means reciprocal help and cooperation among people in social groups. Essentially, the idea is to support and connect people in need to organizations that help. Another local resource who offers their services in a time of need is the People's Market of Bloomington. It's a new Artisan Alley affiliate operated under nonprofit status. Right now they are offering community-supported agriculture boxes. The organization said, quote, purchasing a box is a great way to shop healthy while supporting Bloomington vendors during this difficult time. End quote. Boxes include eggs, meat, cheese, dessert items, and more. Sign-ups are open Monday mornings and close Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. According to the group, boxes are pre-packaged by volunteers and distributed on Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Blooming Foods East. The People's Market of Bloomington said it wanted to build a market guided by inclusion. Their mission, to champion the highest standards for valuing diversity and inclusion, The group says it wants to create a space that is led and directed by people from marginalized communities, farmers, and vendors. Its website says it strives to build equity, create relationships, cultivate liberation, and ensure access to local food, art, and education. Abby Ang, local activist and associate instructor at Indiana University, spoke to WFHB about two things, the COVID-19 Mutual Aid Facebook group and the People's Market. She is involved in both projects.
5: We started this mutual aid Facebook group, and especially around the time that it became clear that this is going to hit in, Indiana pretty hard. And also, out of a concern that um, our safety nets are definitely going to be very stressed at this point, and it's also unclear whether or not the government um, you know, nationally is prepared to undergo something like this. And so, we're definitely worried about the people who might be left behind in something like this, especially with people getting laid off, people um, potentially, you know, being unable to pay the bills, getting evicted,
6: and stuff like that.
2: Although I had technical difficulties in my phone conversation with Abby Ang, she told me her experience with the No Space for Hate COVID-19 Mutual Aid Facebook group was gratifying. She said she simply wants to assist those in need. Aang also discussed the people's market in which she plays an important role. She said the group is working to provide healthy food for those who need it. She also wanted to create a farmer's market in Bloomington that champions diversity and inclusiveness, something she said is lacking in the city of Bloomington's community farmer's market. Aang told me this is why the project started in the first place. Essentially, she wanted to create an alternative to the city's farmer's market which has been plagued in controversy when a vendor was outed for ties to white supremacy. Abby Ang takes it upon herself to help her community in a time of crisis. Her end goal? To create food equality for those who can't afford it, especially when access to food faces its most trivial time. Both the mutual aid Facebook group and the People's Market are silver linings during a time of darkness. While the future of COVID-19 remains unclear, Community members are working to help each other in the face of that uncertainty. For WFHB, I'm Cade Young. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Sydney Foreman in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our features were produced by Alex Dieterer and Katrine Bruner.
3: Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Our executive producer is Katie Young. For WFHB, I'm Sydney Foreman.
2: And I'm Cade Young. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent local news program. You can hear tonight's broadcast as well as other WFHB news programming online at wfhb.org.
3: You can be a part of our award-winning news team. For more information about joining our volunteer team of citizen journalists, email news at wfhb.org.
2: Stay tuned for With Good Reason, coming up next on WFHB.